Hey everybody, welcome to week three of 52 Weeks of Empowerment. I am your host, Andrea Pagnosi. I am also a career success coach and I'm fiercely dedicated to getting every one of you listening to be able to realize your true career potential in 2022. So let's get started. Actually, we got started with this very discussion last week with the first of a two-part series that we're gonna wrap up today on building your brand message. Last week, we talked about the external component of building your brand message and the importance in having a really clean public persona on social media. Because when you're trying to get into an organization that you're not currently working at, you need to be able to network your way in, introduce yourself in such a way on a cover letter or in a dialogue that you have. I mean, let's be clear, we're not as social a species as we typically are, but when we do, rarely go into a a Starbucks or a library or even a PTA meeting, you might run into somebody that could be the ticket to a next best aspect of your career, right? You don't know. It could be a hiring manager looking for somebody. Hey, you get into conversation with people. You have to be succinct and really clear about what it is you want to do. So it looks very simple. It's two sentences. It's this is who I am. This is what I do. This is what I want to be doing. And when you're not around and you've shared this with other people in your network and they have a casual conversation, it may occur to them to say, hey, That sounds like a great opportunity. I have a friend, ironically, who is looking for that same type of opportunity. This is their name. This is what they do. This is what they want to be doing. It's as simple as that. It's two sentences. It's a teaser, right? Your resume becomes sort of the Cliff's Notes version of the full story. And then the full story, you have an opportunity to tell on an interview but you've got to grab them with the hook. You have to be able to allow for people to network for you. And the only way they can do that is if they know your story, if they know your personal brand story. Personal brands are important when you're sight unseen, primarily because we live a very social media frenzied life. And whether it's WhatsApp or Facebook or LinkedIn or Reels or Instagram, whatever, TikTok, I don't care what it is, you are putting into the grand multiverse through the internet who you are, what you stand for, and what you want to be doing. So you're kind of saying it by acting it out, showing pictures of people you care about, and so forth, which is great. But if the the images that you're putting out there are controversial, polarizing, they're not nice, there could be a connotation that you are not the quality that they want to bring into their organization, a prospective hiring organization. So what you have to be careful of, and I say this to people who have graduating seniors and juniors in college that are about to get into the workforce professionally, I said, have them clean up their footprint on social media. It will pay off later. It really, really does. Because when they don't know you, companies have admitted to me, HR executives have admitted to me in in almost every industry that they are using social media to size people up, to size people up. So we talked a lot about that last week and the importance of having a brand equity. What does that mean? That means that who you are and what you bring to the table in terms of knowledge and expertise and experience is equitable to a job that they may be looking for? What if they do know you? What if where you want to be is where you are just in a different role? 
you love the company, you love the culture, you love the leadership and the opportunity, and you want to promote from within. You want to stay at the company you're at. What then? Because you've already sort of built a reputation for yourself. You've become known for what you do, and hopefully that's a, a good thing. But what does your brand and who do you need to share your brand story with? What does it need to sound like? So we're going to explore that a little bit today. And I'm going to start by saying I had the privilege of working for a major global manufacturing company for the better part of a decade, if not a little over a decade. And I worked in sales, marketing, training, and leadership roles. And they took their marketing and their market research very seriously, very seriously. And I learned a great deal about shelf presence. They sold a lot of consumer goods, highly competitive in their marketplaces. They sold like laundry detergent and soap, shampoo. They had a food division for a while. They had a pharmaceutical division for a while. There was a lot of emphasis though, particularly in membership houses like Sam's Club and BJ's Wholesale Club, CVS, Walmart, all of these things. They would purchase like any other consumer manufacturing company actual shelving, shelf space for their products. And they did a great deal of market research to know that the person, the consumer in the household that was making the decisions to buy the products they sold were typically the female family member. And most women are about five foot five, five foot seven inches tall. And they would purchase shelf space, this is amazing, that was strategically at eye level of those consumers. And believe it or not, they purchase shelf space so that their products get put in that area. It was like scientifically proven to enable better sales. It was insane. It was the psychological component to market research that I had never seen before. They know where you shop. They know what you consider quality. They know what your buying signals are. They know what will motivate you to buy more because they know what, you're, what you want, what you need. And so they shift their brand story to fit what you need, what the consumer needs. And I thought of how similar that is to building a personal brand story professionally. When a job is posted, the qualifications, the job expectations tell you what the company needs, but your story needs to convince them that you're the right person to do it. So you tweak your resume, you customize your cover letter, and you go from there. But in an environment where they already know you for doing one job, how do you pivot their mind and add another chapter to that story? It's kind of a unique thing. I shared that story about the company I used to work for because they often would create different levels of brands. They would have unique additions or attributes added to their brands to make it more marketable and to meet a need that was more current than their previous standard brand. So they'd have these like premium brands and that's kind of what we do in an office setting where we want to advance. We want to add some other attribute and broaden our skill sets, but we bring with us a lot of experience and knowledge. And frankly, the sustainability factor is not there today. Most people are one and done. They leave a company after two years and even less now. On average, I think I read an article the other day that shared about seven months is the standard average of people staying in jobs. 
due to the great resignation we find ourselves in. So in an environment where you may be known for one thing, there are times when we want to pivot and do something else. How do we become known for that? How do we build our brand equity? Think about the moments in any new job you've had where you're introduced to new peers. Sometimes, and I know it's happened to me a couple of times, they'll walk around the building and they'll introduce you on the first day to the people that you'll be interacting with. And they'll say, this is Andrea. She is the new Jackie. They don't say she's our new whatever the job is. They say she's the new person it was once. Because that person had a brand equity. People may not have even known what their job function name was, but they knew the person's name and they trusted in what they did. They were known for the caliber of performance in the role they had. So identifying you as the old person is a challenge to overcome that person's legacy by putting your own flavor on it. And everybody has to build their brand equity within an organization. So externally, your story is reactive to the needs of an organization, but internally, candidates have to proactively identify what they would want to do. And they have to kind of finesse their story a little bit, especially if it's a lateral move to a totally different department, or it's a unique opportunity that they may possess the skills for. They may have had an experience prior to coming to that company that's very equitable. But if no one knows, they're not going to consider you for the role. Let's consider an example so I can sort of map it out for you a little bit more. Let's say Paul. I don't know who Paul is, but we're going to say it's a gentleman named Paul. He wants to be the head of operations at a company. Now he's worked as a manager within the ops team for several years and he's competent. He's well-liked. That's what he's known for, being a great people manager. He's very motivating to his team and that's a great asset. The head of operations role opens up and he finds out that his counterpart, Jessica, who's been there a few years more and has always been the number one people manager in the company, she gets great results. Her team is always knocking it out of the park. He throws his hat in the ring. Jessica throws his hat, her hat in the ring. And voila, Jessica gets the job. Now, Paul could have had an abysmal interview. We don't know. Jessica may have more tenure, but if all things are equal, it's now Paul's opportunity to ask for feedback. Why Jessica and not me? Where were the holes? And when he asks, his boss says, you were known as a good people manager and you interviewed well, but we're looking for a results leader, results-driven leader. And Jessica has shown that capability in other roles she's had here at the company. Ironically, Paul finds out that the, no one knew about his previous experience because the person who originally hired him left the company. So any previous understanding of what Paul brought to the table had been left with the person who left the company. And Paul simply assumed everybody knew what his previous experience was. People don't know unless you tell them. And you've got to consistently remind people. And if you can't do it that way, even a better way to do it is to ask for opportunities for broadening project work, other work, where they identify the skill sets are. Now, in Paul's case, it was that Jessica's team had better functional results. And so that's a little hard. That's hard to do. But if you get results on other projects, if you are consistently touted as a good people manager, maybe there's another opportunity in the organization that better 
fits your skill sets. So that's where you have to kind of ask for feedback and really talk about what you want to do so that you could be positioned for jobs that make the most sense and identify gaps so that you can fill those gaps with experience. So how do you keep the music playing? How do you keep your brand message out there without being obnoxious? This is who I am. This is what I do. This is what I want to be doing. It could get a little bit tedious. And that's a genuine concern. You don't want to be a squeaky wheel. You want to be somebody who is career motivated, but you need to be telling the right people at the right time. So you start to leverage your skills beyond your work by doing project work with other teams, other people, get exposure to other people and processes within the organization. That's a first step. And it takes proactive discussion with your key three. So who are your key three? Your key three are your anchors in a company. The first anchor is your boss. That's the obvious one. Your boss plays the role of sponsor. They will sponsor you for opportunities that they see coming up based on who you are, what you want to do. I know I sound like a broken record and where you want to be. Leaders, let me pause here for a second. If you aren't doing this for your people on your team, you are dropping the ball. Very frankly, you should know each and every member of your team's two-sentence personal brand speech. You need to know what they bring to the table because it does make you look good if you promote somebody. It does. It absolutely does. The biggest two reasons why people don't promote people or don't stick their neck out to see if there's any opportunity within an organization is number one, they don't want the vacancy. And in today's world, that's pretty prevalent. (laughs) Or number two, they don't want to look like a fool if they advocate for somebody that doesn't do a good job. And that also comes from the fact that you don't know what people are all about or what they want to do. So as a leader, you have to be that sponsor that says in a conversation, because you're often exposed to promotable opportunities for people on your team that they know nothing about until the job is either backfilled, filled, or posted. So if you can see ahead of these things and start to sponsor people for those opportunities, it's good for you and it's good for your team. So I will get off my soapbox on that. But your number one anchor is your boss. They're your sponsor. The next person that should be aware of your career aspirations is your boss's boss. Their boss is your advocate. Advocating at a level one up from your leadership is critical because it's really about, we often talk about in the real estate market, it's a buyer's market, it's a seller's market. In the market of finding jobs, it's a candidate's market. There's a lot they can be doing and saying to position themselves for roles that they wouldn't normally be considered for, but because companies want to stop the bleeding, they want to stop the people quitting, they want to keep longevity and sustainability top of mind, they're going to be willing to listen. So having that extra layer of support above you is golden. It is absolutely golden. Now, there are some controlling managers, I will I will acknowledge this, that don't like you to leapfrog them. So whenever you do gain advocacy from your boss's boss, make sure your boss is aware. Just a little caveat there. The third anchor, this is a critical one because this plays a double agent for you, is a peer at your level who plays the role, as I said, of double agent. They can tell you what the landscape is, keep their ear 
appealed for anybody who might be looking for similar career path as you. So you size up your competition, but they also advocate for you at your level and they help you understand your perception in the organization. This is a really critical factor to the story that you have and the brand equity that you bring to an organization is how you're perceived by the organization. And that is a very candid feedback question to have with your manager and that peer agent. Make sure that the perception is positive and root out very quickly any situations that may be difficult for you to overcome in getting considered for next level opportunities. Now let's say a role has been identified as a perfect fit for you. Your boss, your peer agent, your boss's boss, somebody comes to you, taps you on the shoulder and says to you, hey, there's a role coming up. It hasn't been posted yet, but I wanna make you aware of it because it's gonna be really competitive. We don't often see these types of roles open up and this is on your radar. So I thought you'd want to know. Let me know what I can do to help you. The best thing that you can do in this situation is to make sure your three anchors are connecting you well to that opportunity. Is there a manager that your manager can open the door with that will be eventually hiring that you don't know? you don't know well and just say, hey, I'd like to set up a meet and greet with this person, not divulge that I know they're going to have a job hosting, but just to, to meet and greet them and start to expand my network internally. Go to your boss for that. Go to your peers for that. Hey, you used to work for so-and-so in that division. Can you maybe send a quick intro email that just basically says, hey, I wanted to introduce you to this person. I don't think you've made each other's acquaintance, but you know, thought it might be valuable to connect the two of you. Something very simple. If you're still in an office environment, invite the two people out to lunch and say, hey, I just thought it would be cool to connect the two of you. Your team could learn a lot from this person. This person might want to join your team at some point. So that would make the introduction happen. Anything that you can do to leverage the strengths of other people, it makes you look good. It makes you feel good. It makes you feel good. That's empowering. This is about 52 weeks of empowerment. Do that for your your colleagues. You won't be sorry because they will pay it forward and do it for you reciprocally. Another reason why this is a good thing to do is you may be really aspiring to be in a different division of your company and you may see it as greener pastures, but you may meet that other manager and not gel with them. So it's a good idea and you almost have an inside track, don't you? Playing the field inside the company, you tend to see things and hear things a little bit more honestly than if you were outside the company and flying blind. It's an orchestration that takes place between want of opportunity, the need of the people hiring, the advocacy that you get, and the fit for the next opportunity. So many things are at play. And don't be tricked into believing that just because you're an internal candidate, you have preferential emphasis. Yes, companies want to stop the bleeding. They want to keep people in their organization. But you may get a courtesy call, but they may have another candidate internal or external that they would prefer to put in that position. So you need to be on people's radar. The only thing that happens is an introduction happens. The only way that happens is if the conversations and the orchestration happen between you and your anchors that anchor you to these opportunities. There's a harsh truth in all of this. If you look at the two instances, external opportunities and internal, sometimes the distance between two points is closer externally than it is internally. B 
because your anchors are also anchored to your competition internally. There may be others who've been in the on-deck circle waiting for these opportunities as well, people with more relevant experience, people with more direct relationship. That can be played to your advantage. So you have to be aware of the playing field so that you can weave a competitive story. When you're applying for an external role or consider external candidates in the mix for an internal role that you're interested in. You can't, you can't solve for that. You don't know what the external candidates bring to the table, but internally you can find out. So try to find out what the competitive atmosphere looks like. Remember that example I shared of Paul and Jessica. He knew who Jessica was. He just didn't know her background and his background. No one knew. So she had more advocacy. So I share this because it's important for everyone in a corporate environment to support each other. And it's a fine line we walk because make sure people know about what you want and what you want to do. I'll give you another example too. And this is an important one to share because sometimes we find out that there's somebody in another division that has more experience than we do who's going for a job. And I'm guilty of this. I took my hat out of the ring twice in situations I should have gone for, but I didn't apply because I felt defeated. So the example I'll give is, let's say this woman, Amra, has aspirations to become a manager of a team and she knows her manager is about to be promoted. She's also aware that her manager advocates for her, but tells her that Larry, who's her teammate, is also vying for the role and Larry has management experience from a previous job. So here's another harsh truth and ladies, this one is on you. Studies confirmed, and there have been a lot of articles to support this in reputable publications like Harvard Business Review and Forbes magazine and so forth, that women will not even throw their hat in the ring for a role if they don't possess the vast majority of preferred expectations or qualifications listed in a job description. And if they think someone's more competitive than they are internally, they won't even apply. Men can have less than 10% of the qualifications and still apply. And it doesn't matter if they have 10 people that they're competing against internally. So to all of the AMRAs out there who are up against man, woman, or child with experience, Hear me now, throw your damn hat in the ring. Because if you don't know that whether you're going to get the job, you don't know what's going to happen. But I can tell you one thing that's certain to happen if you don't throw your hat in the ring. They won't think you're serious for next level opportunity. So throw your hat in the ring. Even if you don't get it, you're on people's radar. And you could be a flight risk in today's day and age. If they don't hire you for that role, maybe there's another opportunity they do see you for. So it is also on you to ask those follow-up questions like, the previous example with Paul and Jessica. Paul asked his boss those questions because you got to identify the gaps. And by the way, this just happened with a client of mine. This just happened. Young woman, amazing resume. She was on everybody's radar. She had her brand story down. She had a great reputation and she had great advocacy. And her boss left took another job somewhere else, and her advocacy was gone, she felt. So she built again. There was a new manager. She quickly built a relationship. She had all the advocacy in the world, and a job opportunity that she was seeking opened up. She didn't get it. They hired externally. Her boss hired somebody, instead of promoting her to a different position, 
she got bumped by an external candidate that her boss had brought in from the previous company they worked at. And see, that happens. That happens a lot. You want to build a team. You've worked with people before. You see them in that role. So she called me up and she was pissed. She said, all the work that we did just flew out the window. I don't know what to do. Maybe I should just quit. Understandably, very disappointed. So I said, there's two things you can make of life. And this is a quote from a movie from the 80s called Cousins. Ted Danson's in the movie. And he talks to his father in the movie. And it's one of my favorite quotes in life. His father is played by the legendary actor Lloyd Bridges. And he says to him, son, there's two things you can make of your life. You can either make a chicken shit or you can make a chicken salad. It's your choice. And I told my client the same thing. And I said, let's build again. Tomorrow, you have a choice. You can go in and you can ask your boss, what happened? What are the gaps? Just like that example of Paul and Jessica. So she did. The first thing she did, and this was so classy and so typical of her, she got into the office and the first thing she did that following was she welcomed the new person who got the job she wanted with open arms and said, hey, if you need anything, here's my information. Give me a call. I'd love to help onboard you, make you feel comfortable. We're glad to have you here. Classy. Then she went to her boss's office and 20 minutes later, she emerged with a better opportunity than the one she was vying for. Choices, chapters in your brand story, class, doing the right thing, asking the questions, where were the gaps? What can I do to close them? And her boss said, I think you were shooting too low. The job that I hired this person for you're overqualified for that. I have a better role for you. And here's what it is. And like I said, 20 minutes later, she walked out with a raise and a better promotion. So having the conversation, people knowing your brand equity and what you bring to the table is critically paramount to your advancement internally or externally to a company. Your story needs to be a cumulative representation of your experience and what you have the possibility and potential to do. So I wanna recap what we've learned about building your brand both externally and internally over the last two weeks. Number one, it needs to be a story of who you are, what you do, and where you want to be. Number two, it needs to be succinct. It's gotta have a hook that grabs people that says this person is somebody that I want to work with for or have on my team. One that differentiates you from your competition. Number three, people need to know your story. Your big three, your anchor, your peer agent, your advocate, which is your boss's boss, and your boss, who's your sponsor. Those people need to be able to know your story inside and out. Number four, your sponsor, your advocate, and your agent need to be thinking about how they can help support you. In order to do that, they've got to be people who have constant, consistent conversations with. How often should you be having these conversations? At least once a quarter. You don't need to be annoying. But make sure that if you have any changes in your story, things you would rather do, life situations that have changed so you can't travel as much or something like that, make sure anything that changes it they're aware of it number five you've got to show up you've got to know your competition understand the want and align to the need just like that manufacturing company i work for 
all those years and the way that they did their market research, you've got to keep your eye on the prize. But you also need to keep your eye on the business at hand. Keep your results consistent so that the story evolves with you and it follows a natural progression to your desired outcome. There's that orchestration that needs to take place between opportunity and right fit. And finally, number six, identify the holes in your story and in your brand equity, if there are any, and mend them. No stories without its pitfalls, but if you're well-connected and you ask for people's perception of your story and it's misaligned with the actual story, you can fix it. And I'm going to give you a quick um, way to do that. Ask your big three at least once a year to do a SWOT analysis on you as an individual. What are my strengths? What's my weaknesses? What are my opportunities? And how am I a threat? And by threat, I mean really an asset that differentiates from all the other competition. If that analysis is off from the way that you see your SWOT analysis, then maybe people don't really know your brand story as well as you think they do. Make sure they know it. I hope that these two weeks have empowered you to reimagine your brand story. And I'll remind you that hiring a professional career coach can really help you build your brand so that it encompasses these six attributes. And I promise you, listening to these tips and best practices each week will really raise your brand equity this year. I promise you that. This is 52 Weeks of Empowerment, and we are fiercely dedicated to getting you where you would rather be in your career in 2022. We'll catch up with you next week. Same time, same place, more power. Take care.